This is Beyond the Bell Tower, where an elite group of North Carolina State University students give us a behind-the-scenes look at their steps to success and show us how they attain even their lofty goals. These students, who are in the top 10% of the country, are active in student support services at NC State, a nationally recognized program designed to provide support for low-income, first-generation college students. Nationally, this population has an 11% graduation rate within six years. The student support services students surpass that rate each year and go on to become doctors, dentists, accountants, and engineers. They work at Google, Apple, and the NCAA. They have earned PhDs in Ivy League colleges. These students go well beyond the bell tower to reach this level of success. Welcome back to Beyond the Bell Tower. I'm Ricky Dows, and I'm here with Taylor Adams. Hi, Taylor. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? I'm doing fine. That's good. This is my first time actually meeting Taylor. So um, what do you want me to know about you? Because like I said, this is our first time meeting. So uh, I'm just a normal student. Been here entirely too long trying to graduate I in hear this that. spring. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Sarah pre- uh, snitched on me and told the people I know about cars. So hopefully I can pass this knowledge on to people interested about the dangers and benefits of buying a used car. Absolutely. I'm glad she snitched on you because I'm one of those naive people who thinks like, oh, money exchange. Now I get a car kind of situation (laughs) and doesn't even think about like all the other uh, elements that go along with that. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, um, you are a student at NC State. You said you've been here entirely too long. Entirely too long. So... What year are you now? You're a senior, I'm assuming. A super duper senior. (laughs) Super duper senior. I'm honestly, I'm going to probably end up being a super senior. Maybe not a super duper senior. There's nothing wrong with that. uh, That that four and a half year situation might just go down. (laughs) Where are you studying? Textile technology. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So absolutely nothing to do with cars. Oh, wow. Okay. So textile, what did you say? Textile and technology and technology. Okay. Obviously you're at the right school for that. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you get involved with Trio? So I actually came to school with an intent to be mechanical engineering and due to bad study habits and bad ways to handle stress, that didn't really work out. I was actually just going to leave school and my PAC Promise counselor actually reached out to TRIO and Student Support Services and got me into contact with Sarah Wright and basically became best friends since that. She's always been there. She's uh, gave me a kick in the butt when I needed it, been supportive. Anytime I needed something little or how to work some type of system in the school, she's basically always shown me the way. And our big thanks for um, just helping me out and being here and hopefully graduating this semester. <laughs> I like how that hopefully got snuck in there. <laughs> keep hope alive. <laughs> Gotta keep hope alive. <laughs> no, I love Sarah. She's also um, my academic mm. coach. She's great. Got me involved with like podcasting and everything, mm. which I think is going to be because I'm studying communication media. Mm. So like this is like where I live. And um, so she's gotten me involved with this. And so, yeah, I'm glad that she told <laughs> me about you because I was like th- I was in her office just talking about like oh my God, I was trying to buy a car over break and I just had no clue what I was doing. And she was like, well, you know, I have this student who knows about car stuff and he he would be great, you know, for you to talk to whatever. I'm like, what if we got that on air though? (laughs) Two birds with one stone. (laughs) Like what if we, you know, just not only for my sake, but for any other student out there who's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I am going to buy a car. Mm. What? Like, cause out of all of us, like how how many of us really know what we're doing when it comes to like being Mm. an adult? (laughs) I have no, I'm about to try and buy an apartment now. I'm going to have to find another, another trio student to help me with that. Like, I don't know how to make these big purchases. So I'm just like, I need to talk to somebody about Mm. this. And I know there are other people who feel the same way. So like, let's put it 
on the air. <laughs> but, um, you know, a little bit about cars and everything. So, like, how did you get into knowing about cars? Like, what sparks your knowledge on learning about cars? So, let's see. I was a young 18-year-old back in my prime, working like 50-hour weeks to buy my first car. You know, I wanted that freedom going to college, tired of taking the wolf line. Uh like any naive person, I went and bought basically the first car with a color I liked without, you know, looking at it and stuff like that. And that's probably the biggest mistake you can make when you buying a used car, buying the first thing that catches your eye. So it runs well as any car used car would. They make sure it can run and get it off the lot so you don't they want to take it back. And it started breaking down and it's pretty expensive, especially me being a broke college student to let people work on your car. So over time, as things happened, I learned what I could and could not repair by myself and just gain knowledge of that way over the time. Yeah. So that sounds like, you know, kind of like one of those, you know, learn from your mistakes kind of situations. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for a fact that like my plan over winter break was to kind of do like similar situation I was just gonna like buy the first thing with like Mm. that was pretty cheap and that I liked I know I like looked at this um this dealership that my parents usually work with Mm. and I was like oh okay my parents work with them like they're super affordable and reliable like Mm. it's no problem it'll be whatever and so I was just looking at their website and like I was gonna buy whatever was just cheap and good to have and you know, the universe decided to stop me in my tracks. And I'm like, that's actually a pretty good thing, because to be honest, I have no clue what to do <laughs> when it comes to pur- making like that kind of purchase. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I have like no experience whatsoever when it comes to cars. <laughs> I understand. Uh, yeah, no, I was just like, oh, it's white. I like white cars, you know, same way I was <laughs> red. I love the color red. Go buy it. Yeah. <laughs> And like, I remember like my dad, whenever I was home over break, he was, you know, just showing me the ins and outs of his car and just talking about like the transmission, this and oh, I have to change the brake pads out. And I'm just like, what? That that mm-hmm. stuff you have to do with a car? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> didn't even think about like, oh, God, like, how do you know the difference between a, like a good car and a bad car when you're shopping for a car um especially you know low-income kind of Mm. background it's just like you don't have like the experience maybe your parents don't have the experience Mm. if you ask them so i guess i just kind of want to know in your experience um what would you say like to look for when you're going to these dealerships like when you know the salesman is there and he's trying to sweet talk you into something you know like how do you like stay knowledgeable in what exactly to look for I guess the first thing with talking to a car salesman, don't listen to anything they say because they're just trying to get the sale. They're not trying to help you. They're going to compliment you any way they can. They're going to try to butter you up as long as what they can do to get the sale. Um, research a different type of cars and look what you're trying to buy. Um, look for an affordable car. Don't try to stunt and buy a Mercedes. Don't try to buy a used BMW. There's Sir, who has a, Mercedes money? <laughs> see, the, the thing is, you can buy a used Mercedes for probably the same price you can buy a used Honda, and that looks good on paper until you start <laughs> trying to have to fix it. There's a reason that they're so cheap, because people are like, oh, cool, I got me a nice 03 Mercedes. Look at me, I'm big boy doing it. No, no. <laughs> and then that first thing breaks, and they're like, oh, it's a $1,000 part. But research what you're trying to buy. Look what commonly breaks on a car that that's old. Look at the common problems with it. Ask about that. Ask for the VIN number. Look for your Carfax reports. There's things I wish I did. Look under the car. Look for leaks. Look for, I can go down a list of things I wished I looked at if you want me to. I can go down a list of like, it's a straight checklist of things I wish I would have looked at before I bought the car because I could have avoided so many problems. Um, the thing with buying a used car, though, you're going to have to accept the fact that something's going to break because this is an older car. Something's going to die. Something's going to go out. You just have to be ready for it and not panic. So I know I'm like just talking in circles, but I guess the biggest thing is this: know the background of the car. Go in there with confidence and don't let someone sway you saying, well, this, this, this. And just but yeah, just go in there with confidence in the research and just don't let someone sway you, sway, sway you different into buying something that you're not comfortable buying. And if you don't feel comfortable buying, just step away because usually your gut's probably right about it. Most definitely. I'm really glad that I didn't (laughs) go through with buying that car because I probably would have been stuck with like a piece of junk. Mm -hmm. Um, So you were talking about like used cars and like how like eventually something's going to break down or, you know, 
just in general mess up. Like, would you say like that's an inevitability when it comes to Mm -hmm. buying a used car? So um, would you say that it would be like more beneficial for, you know, first time buyers of cars Would their it would it be best for their first car to be a used car? Or would you like say, you know, go for that new model, like go to a dealership like a Honda or a Toyota or whatever dealership and just like knowing you're going to get a reliable car there? Or are they both pretty reliable? Like what's I mean, honestly, yes, a new car is going to be more reliable. And even if it's not, you get that warranty with it. But I just feel like your due diligence and just looking at the car, you can see what problems are going to happen with it in future uh, future problems down the road. If you just take the time to look under it, you can see if leaks are there. And even if it's a small leak, like the dealer's probably going to try and tell you, I still wouldn't buy that car because you never know when that small leak's going to turn into a bigger leak. Small things like that. Just look for those small problems that could turn into bigger problems down the road. <laughs> Again, not every used car is going to be perfect. You're going to have to buy something with maybe a crusty carpet or something like that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but as long as the engine looks... I mean, once you detail it. Yeah. <laughs> but as long as the engine looks decently good, you know, no leaks, your tie rod, your your boots on your car, they, they aren't ripped. You don't have grease behind your tires and things like that. I'd say go ahead and buy it and... Just be ready to put up maybe a couple extra hundred dollars into it over the next few years. Exactly. The cost of like maintenance and everything. Mm -hmm. I found a lot about that in my research. Um, So I knew that when it comes to used cars that, yeah, the parts are probably going to be like the like the cost of upkeep is going to be the most expensive part of buying a used car. In that case, would you say like um, the cost is about the same or like when it when in comparison to buying a new car? So if you're going to buy a used car for I don't know anything about car prices. So this price may just be like off the wall. Um, But let's (laughs) say like a used car is like maybe like ten thousand dollars or something like that. And you have to like pay for the price of like upkeep or if something breaks down or if something's like wears out versus like buying a, I hope this isn't too much, <laughs> like a $20,000 car or something. <laughs> like, is it going to eventually add up on one end or the other? Well, I drive a 96 Honda Accord. So the car is just about as old as me. And I say I spend probably about three to $400 a year on something that either goes wrong or just general upkeep of the car. Now, given that, I feel like it probably would just it evens out buying a new car over the time because one, my insurance is only about thirty dollars a month because I just have what's it called? Comp- not comprehensive, but the insurance that you have if you hit somebody uh, liability. Liability. Yeah, I just have liability on it. I'm not going to fully insure a '96 Honda Accord. It's just to get me through school. So I feel like things like that it evens out over the long run. So that's why I prefer buying a used car over a new car this day and age, especially given my financial situation right now. So absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned insurance because that was a part of my research Mm -hmm. that I did Um, when talking about insurance and liability. You were like looking for that word there. And I'm just like, I don't know how to help you. (laughs) I know nothing about insurance. And that was like an extra cost that I was thinking about when it was like, when I first started thinking about buying this car, I was like, oh yeah, this is going to be super simple. I've been saving for it. You know, I just hand off the cash, like, bam, there it is. Same thing. Give me a car. (laughs) I didn't know about the taxes. You have to go to the DMV and pay and all that. I'm like, I have to get a tag. What? (laughs) Has to pass inspection. We live in North Carolina. So I has to pay, uh, pass emissions, all that type of stuff. (laughs) So I'm just like, I don't really know anything about insurance and I probably, Probably should. Um, So I did a little bit of research on, you know, insuring cars. Um, And so just looking at like insurance for cars is like this belief that it's going to be more expensive to insure a newer car versus an older car. I know that there's like certain situations where the opposite could be true. But in your experience, like what is your um What are your thoughts on insuring like a new car versus an older used car? Well, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, Newer cars are probably going to be more expensive because it's going to be harder to replace replace parts if the insurance company has to pay for it. I'm not 100 percent sure if this is true, but I know I had to buy full insurance until I actually paid off the entirety of the car and I actually owned it. So that was like one hundred fifty dollars a month. And being an unexperienced driver at the time, it went up. So I think I had to put my mom actually on the insurance to bring it down a bit there. So right now, again, as I said, I pay about 
$30 a month for just liability insurance on a 97 Accord compared to my mom who pays about $150 for a Toyota Camry, which has full insurance because again, she's paying it off still. So she has to keep that full insurance just in case she totals it or something like that happens. So that's the good thing. If you buy a used car, you're definitely going to pay it off quicker than a 60 month loan for a new car. So that insurance, you can drop it down the liability if you're confident in your driving skills and <laughs> <laughs> don't see yourself causing any accidents. That's a risky living. <laughs> I'm super paranoid. So I know I would probably do like full insurance mm. the entire time. Um, I know that research has said that like used cars are actually like more likely to be stolen. Like Definitely. I got this off the DMV website. I'm like, yeah, used my, car, cars? my car is actually probably in the top 10 list is most stolen cars. So. Oh, geez. <laughs> like that didn't make any sense to me. I was like, how are used cars like older cars? The more like no anti theft systems. Um, the keys after actually after the body model of my car, they started putting the chips in the keys where uh, if it wasn't the right chip, it completely locked down the engine. So that's why it costs like 60, 70, 80 bucks to get a key replaced where I can go get a bunch of my keys for like 10 bucks because you can actually hotwire my car. But newer cars, they have the chip in the key so you can't hotwire them. My car is like a walking Hey, come steal me type car. Oh, <laughs> but um, I'm glad you explained that then. I was like, I was doing this research. I'm like, that, yeah. that makes zero sense. <laughs> Being on campus, I haven't worried about getting stolen, broke broken in. It actually has happened to me. So make sure if you're gonna buy like a ninety-six Honda Accord, lock your doors. Yeah. <laughs> Roll up your windows. Roll up your windows, <laughs> lock your doors. But I haven't like feared it getting stolen. Just don't leave anything valuable in it that you don't want to lose. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because it says like if it's more likely to be stolen, if it's like a a make or a model that's more likely to be stolen, yeah. insurance is going to be higher on that. So in that case, like the older car is more expensive to insure than like mm. the newer car with like the, the theft system and mm. alerts and all the other good stuff. It might be because I have like direct general. So they're like a really cheap insurance. They didn't really take that into account. But is another thing with being stolen is because uh, there's a there's a high demand for those older like high uh, inventory cars like there are a bunch of 96 Accords still on the road if you go out and like look for it you'll find a bunch yeah so people want those parts and you can just chop those up and sell them more than the actual value of the car so that's another big thing but again being on campus <laughs> I haven't really had to worry about that yeah, no. we all understand our struggles on campus <laughs> uh, we don't want to make it worse for the next guy yeah <laughs> But yeah, just lock your doors because we are on a public campus. So CD people will walk by and look inside your car. But <laughs> I haven't had the like struggle of someone driving off of my car yet. <laughs> I did. You know, people sell the older cars for parts. So I'm like, oh, OK, because mm. the parts are like real common and they're you know easy to come around. They're expensive to replace. Mm. So obviously they would be expensive to sell. Mm. Um, but yeah, you were talking about just like making sure the engine's good and just like looking under the, uh, what is it? <laughs> uh, if you can, all cars should come with a jack. So I'd lift it up and just look for oil spots under there, oil spots under the transmission, the, um, power steering, look for leaking power steering fluid. Cause again, that's probably the sign of a bad O-ring, which is everywhere in your car and the older your car gets the, uh, they tend to get worse. So if you see a leak down there, I probably would just walk away from that car. The salesman's going to be like, oh, it's a small leak and uh, old used cars, they all leak. But you never know when that big leak's going to turn into, or that small leak's going to turn into a bigger leak. So that's a sign I'd look to walk away. Also, look behind your uh, your drive tires. Your drive tires are the tires the engine actually sends power to. So look up what type of car it is, if it's a front wheel, an all wheel, rear wheel uh, uh, type car, and see if there's grease behind there. If there's grease, again, I'd walk away there because that's probably the sign of a failing drive system. Don't want to deal with that. That's tie rod replacement and all that stuff could be bad bearings. Don't want to deal with that. Walk away then. So there's things like that. Look for fluids, all that type of stuff, because don't want to have to put too much money up front. Then you already have to. You like really seem to like know what exactly to look for. And I'm just like listening and I'm just like, yeah, yeah. Okay. This no. is all from personal uh, experience. I'm like, how, how do you even know what to look for? Like, how did you learn to know what to look for? Uh, but like I said, just personal experience, things that I've seen in my car, seen in other cars, things someone told me when they looked at my car. Uh, things I've talked to people, made mechanic friends because uh, I come from Gastonia. It's not like an upper metropolitan place, but it's between like a 
town in a city. So you can just make friends with people. And luckily I bought my car from a used dealership that wasn't like a mainstream one. It was just like a small one. So they were good to me. Every time I had a problem with my car, they'd fix it. If I just bought the parts and brought it to them, I didn't have to pay for labor or anything. So while they fix it, I'd look under there and see what I saw. So I guess the biggest thing is don't be afraid to, you know, just get to know your car, just look at it and get under it and don't be afraid to get dirty. So were there any like, like resources you use to help you figure out like certain um, like parts, like when you said, like, just look at your car and, you know, get to know your car where they're like people you ask, like websites you use, like anything you looked up in particular, like did we live in the age of the Internet? Like, mm. was there anything like that? I could just, hey, Siri, um, how do I do this? Or, hey, Google, what's going on with my car? <laughs> you can probably Google just about anything but then again it's hard because if you say you're trying to like recreate a noise in a google search and it's kind of hard to recreate that <laughs> <laughs> like i have a problem with my car right now i know what it is and i'm just being really lazy to fix it but um let me see the drive belt's making this weird well not the drive belt the accessory belt is making this weird noise so it's kind of hard to explain that it's making this gr 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 noise and it's like how do you google search that but if you can kind of narrow it down, you can find a lot of websites and forums about your specific type of car that will give you like a checklist of things to check for. So I know it's just it's a pulley there and I know it's not going to go bad for a while. So I've been lazy and replacing it. It just it just want to make a noise. So I just Googled, hey, there's a grinding sound. And they're like, well, is it coming from your accessory belt? And then just keep Google searching down that train until you narrow it down to what you think it's going to be. Then you can look at it and see, hey, that is the problem. Then you look how much is going to cost to fix it and what's my best course of action there. Awesome. And when it comes to fixing your car, I know my dad, he is a self-proclaimed, he studied no sort of mechanics. So I don't understand how he he's just like, yeah, I can fix that. Oh, I can do that. I'm sure with experience, he's gotten used to fixing mm. it. But just like for any like for someone like me, for example, who has never really touched an engine in her <laughs> entire life, you know, should I like try to save the money by like going on the internet or going to like someone who knows what they're doing and trying to fix it on my own, maybe like getting them look at the part and trying to do it. Or do I need to like take it somewhere? <laughs> my rule of thumb is when I go on YouTube and finally, and I look at someone fix it, if I can't, if I'm not confident, I'm like, Hey, that's easy. I won't do it. Let's see. Two weeks ago, uh, an arm thing on my windshield wiper went out and I was like, Oh, that's just two bolts and snap it back on. And it works just fine again. I saw, hey, that's not too easy. I mean, that's not too hard. I went and did it myself. But let's say it's like something under my car or something that I feel like if I mess up, I'm probably going to kill myself the next time I drive. I'll let someone else do it for me instead of me doing it because I don't want to risk my life just to save a couple of dollars. So like you just use a YouTube video and like if it's something that you feel like kind of like DIY, if you feel like you can handle it, then, you know, like, go. like small things like changing my spark plugs. That's it's like a 10 minute job instead of paying someone 60, $70 to replace a $2 part. I'd rather just do that myself. Spark plug wires. Sometimes I change my own oil when I'm not lazy. Just small things like that, like general upkeep, I can do. But like, let's say my tie rod went out. I'm not going to do that by myself. I'm going to pay someone to do that because that's pretty hard. The general rule of thumb, I can probably say if if the work calls for more than an hour worth of labor, it's probably something I let someone else do it because it's probably a complicated type of thing to do. But if it's usually less than an hour, I can probably do it myself. Well, that's good to know that, you know, someone who's, like I said, like me, never touched an engine in like my entire life. I would be able to like go online and see, you know, something that takes maybe like 20 minutes to do and mm -hmm. like, just go ahead and do it. So like you're self-taught in like some of those areas then like you, you, how have you used YouTube to maintain your car? Um, let's see. I can go down a list of things that broke and I've fixed it myself. Uh, I usually just find videos because, again, a 96 Accord is really a common car. And with body models, you know, like when a, when a car company makes a body model, it's generally the same parts. They just change what it looks like on the outside a little bit here and there. But same engine, same parts in general. So I just go on YouTube and probably I'll find someone replacing the exact same thing because you're not going to be the only person in the world with that problem. So I look at how they do it. And again, if I say, hey, I can do that. It's just a couple bolts here and it's right on top of the engine. I don't have to take this out and take this out to get to here and put it back. I'll do it myself and go ahead and do it. Good. What other resources do you like 
use that allow you to do your own like repairs and everything? Like it just YouTube, just Google. Do you like what other like resources do you use? Um, I tend to like talk to people that know about cars and they tell me uh, if I could probably do it myself or not. A big thing I say in this whole experience with this car is I just got to know people that know about cars, you know, just old people who just grew up around cars their entire life. They'll sit down and pass knowledge to you about things you can and cannot do. Like I said, the person who sold me the car, they were really good to me about replacing things and tell me things I could do myself and giving me that confidence to go do it myself instead of letting a Pip Boys or a Firestone scam me out of a bunch of money. So I say those are the biggest resources is getting out and talking to actual, you know, mechanics and not like Firestone technicians. I'm talking like those just old people, you know, who just live in oil and are always greasy and just talking to them and letting them tell you about cars and things like that. That's probably been my biggest thing when it comes to cars. Yeah, I'm thinking like sort of similarly, my dad's probably going to be my biggest resource yeah. when it comes to Because it, it seems like every time he like goes to work on a car, he's like, come out here and watch me work on this car. Mm-hmm. I'm like, really right now? And he's also a truck driver. So he's mm. like always working on his truck and then mm. like working on like the cars that we have at home and like always trying to switch something out, even though he's not a mechanic. I keep telling <laughs> you're going to kill us one day. <laughs> like, my mom was like, oh, your dad's out there changing the brake pads. I'm like, you're going to die. <laughs> you're going to yeah, die. I, I've done that before. It's a pretty hard job. But... <laughs> I'm like, dad, you're not a mechanic. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> That's what my mom told me when I offered to change her brakes. Like, I know you did it on your car, but I want to pay someone like I can do it. I did it on my car. <laughs> so it's just like yeah those uh older people are probably going to be like your most reliable resource mm-hmm. and also like you said with your dealership because um the dealership that i was planning on buying my car from they're a similar situation they're not like a chain mm-hmm. of like a like used car dealership they're literally like just a small town like exclusive to where we live kind of <laughs> yeah. dealership <laughs> yeah and like my parents use them like all the time for like the three cars i think they have and so they just like if something happens to that car they just take it over there they're like oh okay cool yeah we can mm-hmm. fix this just like bring us the part and yeah that's a big chill. that's to me, a big thing. If you can find a dealership like that, that's offering to, you know, fix it just for the part and not charging you labor. That's probably someone you can trust if they're willing to fix it for you. Cause they probably tried to work on the car before they put it off. Like some lots that are just like a shack with a bunch of cars on it and no garage hooked up to it. <laughs> they just went straight to the auction, bought the car and probably just want to sell you it as is, which is never a good sign. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Keep that in mind. <laughs> so, you know, when it comes to like those used car dealerships, um, just trying to figure out like where to go exactly, because mm-hmm. um, we are trying to keep it a little on the cheaper side. I know newer cars are probably going to be like a lot more reliable. But um, I know my first car is probably going to be a used car just mm. because, like, I don't have new car money at Me this moment. <laughs> I'm trying to get there. So, yeah, I'm just like when it comes to searching for, you know, a used car dealership, you know, and when you're looking for a car on that lot, like which ones would you say, like, stand out to you? Um, like what are the when you walk on the lot and you like you're looking around, like what exactly do you see that's like, OK, this can be like a pretty good place that I can buy a first car. Again, like I said, I try to look for a garage attached to the place that's buying the used car because that means I know they actually put some work into it because all used car works is they usually go to an auction, they get the car and they bring it back to their lot to sell it. But if I see a garage and them actually, you know, taking the time to work on cars before they sell them, that means at least they put some time into it before they're trying to get my money. If I just see a shack that says like Kenny used autos and no garage or anything, I'll probably avoid it no matter how nice the cars are, because that means they just went to the uh, auction. No matter what was wrong with the car, they saw if the engine would turn on, brought it back to their lot and tried to sell it to you, which to me is just, it's not good business. And so like once you get on the lot and you're like, okay, this is the place for me. I'm going to buy my car here. You're looking at the used car. It's you've got all these options here in front of you. It's like, okay, where do I go? You're obviously going to go to like what attracts your eye first, Mm. but then it's also like, okay, I probably got to think about like the mechanics too. Mm. So like, I know I asked my brother also when I was thinking about buying a car and he was like, yeah, you got to look out for the mileage. I'm like, what mileage? What is like, what is exactly like, you know, a mileage for like mileage to price ratio and then like what miles are already on it. Like what exactly is good gas mileage? What is, you know, if it's got 300,000 miles on it, is it bad? I probably wouldn't buy a car with 300,000 miles on it. Um, 
For a used car, depending how old it was, when I bought my car, it had 150,000 miles on it back in, let's see, 2012, I think is when I got that car. So for, what was it, 16, 17-year-old car, to me, that wasn't too bad of a mileage type thing. So I guess maybe 10 to 15,000 miles per year of the age of the car is what you probably want to shoot for. Anything more than that, I'd probably walk away from it. So that's what I'd look for. Uh, according to Google, my car gets 21 miles to the gallon. Maybe it's because I just hate spending money. It doesn't feel <laughs> like that. <laughs> but in this day and age where we never know where gas prices might go back up to $3, it might come back and stay here at two, might go down to one. We never know. I'd probably try to shoot for something over 22, 23 miles per gallon, something like that. It's going to be harder to find something that in an uh, older car, because again, that was back, you know, when gas was $1.50, when those 04s were out. So we weren't really trying to make these super gas efficient cars, but they still, you, you know, your Hondas, your Toyotas, they have less powerful engines, so they're not going to take up as much gas. So they still had good gas economy back then. So look for something in that 25 to that 21 to 25 uh, get miles per gallon range. Awesome. And like, I think, oh God, I might be messing this up, but it's like city versus something else miles. I don't know, like city miles versus I don't remember. What highway miles. Yeah, highway miles. Is like there a difference in like those two or is it just like there's there's 22? a difference. There's a difference. Uh, in the city, you're going to do stop and go and it takes your engine more power, more power to go from a stop and start going than it is just to cruise at a constant speed. So with my car, again, it was like 21 miles per gallon uh, city, 28 highway. So yeah, that's what you want to look about. 20 plus city and when you're actually driving it, maybe that's why I don't feel like it because again, sometimes I have a lead foot when I'm in a rate or in a rush sometimes, and it takes more power to floor it than it is just to go to it as a steady cruise, steady acceleration. Maybe that's why I get horrible gas mileage, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just look for something 20 plus in both categories. Obviously your highway mileage is going to be easy or higher than your city mileage, but 20 plus is somewhere good to shoot for. Okay, writing all this down <laughs> as we speak because I'm so serious. I'm going to buy a car <laughs> before like the beginning of next year. I'll be a senior next year. So mm. I kind of, you know, don't want to be bussing everywhere at that <laughs> point. <laughs> I like that you um you brought up like engine and acceleration and power because that's another issue that I like have no clue about whatsoever because like my dad, he would just be like, he'll drive his car and he's like, Oh uh, yeah, you know, I'm I'm like in the acceleration or the transmission or whatever on this car and then he'll drive my mom's car and it's like, "Wow, this does not drive as well as all." And I'm just sitting in passenger side like, "What are you talking about, old mm. man? I don't feel any difference." So like <laughs> when you're driving a car, especially like on the lot and they're like, "You want to test drive it?" I'm like, "What what am I looking for when I'm test driving it? Like how do I know the difference between like this car's acceleration and this car's acceleration, like transmission, power, whatever, like a smooth ride versus a not so. Like what where do we looking for explain to me <laughs> i feel like what he meant by that like hondas they notoriously shift hard so what that means is when you're driving it and it's an automatic and it shifts you can just feel it like jump while other cars they have like a smoother shift to it that's probably what he's looking for he was looking for like if your transmission slips so what that means is when you accelerate and your RPMs, they just keep going without shifting and then they like slip into the next gear. That's something you want to look for because a bad transmission, no matter how old and new the car is, that's a fortune to fix. And that's something you want to completely avoid. <laughs> Another thing you want to look for when driving a used car off the lot, you want to look for vibrations, especially when you're turning, because that's the signs of a bad axle or a bad bearing. Things, again, you want to avoid trying to fix when buying a car straight off the lot. Uh a big thing I'd look for is uh, going to actual like a parking lot and turning it at a low speed. That's when you're putting the most stress on your power steering. So if you hear noises when you're putting that high load on your power steering, that's a sign of a failing power steering unit. You just want to avoid that car all, all the way together, too. But just things like that, vibrations, noises, how the transmission shifts from gear to gear, not necessarily... If the car's jumping, cause that could just mean you need to change out the fluid, but is it slipping those RPMs? Is it going to 7,000 RPMs before it shifts and things like that? Cool. Cause I swear I had no clue. It was like, oh, wow, your mom's car does not drive well at all. Mm -hmm. I, I don't feel what you feel <laughs> at all. <laughs> so just like when you're just driving the car and you feel like vibrations that has to do with an axle. 
I think you said. Was that? Yeah. So like a uh, problem when I first got my car, when I would brake, it actually would vibrate and you could, when you're driving, I guess I have a better feel of it when I'm driving it than when I'm actually riding into it. I could feel it was coming from like the left front tire. And uh, so I checked it out. There's a, there's a test to see if your bearing is going bad. You can jack up your car and your tire shouldn't be able to wiggle. It's kind of hard to do that over a podcast and show what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it shouldn't wiggle like this way. It should stay steady. So if there's any play to your tire, that means your bearing is going bad. So I did that. It had no play to it. So I knew my bearing wasn't going bad. So then I looked at the axle and like I mentioned earlier, the CV axle boot was actually torn, which means there's dirt getting into that axle and it, it ruins it over time. So I had to get that replaced and that's what was causing my vibration. Also bad tires, bad balancing, bad alignments that can cause it too. Oh yes. Let's talk about tires, shall we? Because <laughs> I have literally like a whole list here. Cause I'm like, like I said, I'm trying to buy this car. So like gas mileage, miles on it, engines, brakes, tires, transmissions. <laughs> like I have a list here. So like tires alignment, obviously your tires should be straight. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming when you buy it. A good thing how to test that, go on the highway and just drive it and see which way it pulls. Uh, people tell me that your car is supposed to have a natural pull to the right just because how the the road crown is. It's going to like drift you to the right. But if you have your wheel turned like 45 degrees left to keep it going straight, that means it could have a, <laughs> a really, a really bad alignment. And that's about $80 to fix. I wouldn't call that a deal breaker because cars need to get aligned here and there. So that's that's just something that comes with the car. I wouldn't call that a deal breaker car, a tire bouncing. That's another thing that can cause that vibration when you're driving, especially at high speeds. So if it's not your axles, which is pretty easy to check or your bearings, it could just be you need to get your tires balanced, which is something I'd probably recommend as soon as you buy a used car anyway. I'd get the oil changed, the spark plugs changed to get my tires aligned and balanced just to get a like so a that's just like a cost of maintenance situation. Like that's the cost of having a car at that yeah. point. It's like inevitable cost, whether you buy like new used yeah. whatever else, like those are going to eventually have to be done. Yeah. So I just get it. I'd probably, even if they say, Hey, we already changed the oil. I just do it myself. Just to have that peace of mind knowing that I did it or got it done. And that way I can keep like a running uh, count of miles before I had the last thing going instead of taking someone else's word on it. So that's just something I'd recommend. So like, um, yeah, when it comes to like upkeeping car, like we were talking about, um, there are just some things with a car like you're just going to have to like upkeep, mm. whether like this changing oil, you're going to have to do that, whether it's new or used, mm. you know, the spark plugs, alignment, all of that. It's going to have to be done. And for the things that you yourself can't do, obviously it has to go mm. to a professional. Mm. Um, so researching, I guess, like places to go, where are the right places to go? What is the right price for like a certain service? Like, how do you know? Because if you're like me and you go like, especially a woman, I know this, I researched yeah, this. If you are want to try to scam you, they will like charge you like three times more for a service. And I wouldn't know the difference. Mm -hmm. I just hand you my money and be like, go ahead and get it done. Mm -hmm. So like, what exactly like should you be looking for research wise, I guess, or like what resources to use to know, like what each service should be around. Again, these are just things you can probably just look up online. How much does it cost to change my oil? Uh, they're going to tell you exactly how much oil goes in the car, how much per quart it costs and the cost of labor. The thing with like big chain car repair places do, they'll give you a really good deal on oil change. You probably see these all the time. Twenty dollar oil change. See, that's what they use to get you in the door, because, again, no one makes money off oil changes. They want to get you in the door. And what they're going to do is they're going to look at your car and find anything that's wrong with it. And they're going to scare you and saying, your car is going to explode if you don't get this fix. It's going to be a thousand dollar fix. And it, when they uh, they prey on people like that and you're going to emotionally react to like, oh, my God, my car is going to blow up unless I give them a thousand dollars to fix this. It happened to me when I first got my car and got my tires changed. My grandmother bought me some Firestone tires. They were really good, but they came back with a bill for like. Well, they tried to come back with the bill for like $2,000 saying this, 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 and this is all wrong with your car. If you don't get this change, it's probably not going to make it till next month. So that's a big thing that these big you know, places love to do and get you in the door with those really cheap oil changes. But if you cannot emotionally react to it, you can probably find really good deals on oil changes and just like general, like small maintenance, things like that. But you just have to be ready to, for them to tell you everything that's wrong with your car. 
and things like that. <laughs> and not, like and when not, you go home for the holidays and your mom's like, this is wrong with you. This is wrong with you. Yeah. You need to eat more. <laughs> and you just have to like block all that out. Because mm-hmm. they're going to really try to get you to emotionally react, especially like you said, like a woman, they're really going, that's how they really prey on people. If they see you come in, you don't know exactly what's wrong with your car and you come, hey, I just want to check up for my car. That's saying, okay, we see that you're about to write a blank check for this car. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what we can find wrong with it. <laughs> How'd you get out of that $2,000 bill? I didn't pay it. I mean, it really wasn't, it wasn't a bill. It was just. It was just like them saying, oh, here's the, what's wrong with your car. Here's what's wrong with your car. And we can you fix, fix it right it now. $2,000. And I said, okay, can I just get my tires changed so I can go? <laughs> so. It reminds me when I got this laptop fix off topic completely. But like when I got this laptop fix, there was like a, an issue with like the keyboard, like some keys were sticking everything. And they're just like, oh yeah, well we see you have like a little, you know, scratch on your screen too. And this here, we can fix that for like, five hundred dollars i'm like that scratch and stay there for five hundred dollars <laughs> it is not that aesthetically at that point you try, at that point you might as well just save for a new laptop exactly <laughs> i'm like I'm, I'm fine just fix my keyboard <laughs> so that's basically just like you telling them like hey you know i don't need all that extra stuff if it blows up it blows up you know mm-hmm. just fix the tire <laughs> <laughs> yeah Okay, so we talked about, you know, buying the car on the lot, what to do, test driving, upkeep, Mm -hmm. how to, you know, upkeep a car when it's time to eventually get it fixed, you know, that sort of thing. I'm going to like for a hot second, hop back to like buying cars because we covered like with older cars. I want to talk about newer cars here for a hot minute, even though like I know I can't afford (laughs) a new car. Maybe some of our listeners out there can. (laughs) I don't know. That's what I'm going here for. (laughs) (laughs) So like eventually, you know, we're all going to graduate. We're all Mm going to get that job of our dreams. We're going to get, you know, sign that contract that says here's your salary. (laughs) And when that day comes, I'm going to like the first big name (laughs) there is (laughs) and getting a fresh new car because I don't think my family anyone in my family has ever owned a new car. So Mm. I'm ready to stun at the family reunion. (laughs) (laughs) So like um, getting a new car, I don't know if you know too much about like leasing or anything like that. I know that is an option. So like buying new versus leasing, like, and what that means exactly. So with leasing a car, what you're paying on it is just the depreciation, the loss of value it gets over the years before you turn it back in. So let's say you buy a $50,000 Dodge Charger with a V8 and all that stuff. It's personal dreams. But anyway, (laughs) so let's say your lease is going to be for three years. It's going to lose $20,000 in value. So that's what you're actually paying. You're paying that loss of value that the dealership's going to lose by you keeping that car for over that amount of time. The only things with this is your insurance is probably going to be higher because, again, you have to actually cover the car because you're not owning the car. But if you can afford, it's probably going to even out to the amount uh, that you're going to pay for on a car note anyway. Uh, you're going to have mileage limits on it, most likely. So if you are a heavy driver, if you drive to here to New York and back all the time, probably not your best option. But if you live 10 minutes from your job and that's probably all you're going to do with the car, go ahead and do it. Um, another thing is you probably have to have a really good credit score when doing it. So if your credit score isn't that good, I wouldn't recommend trying to do it because they're probably not going to let you without a bunch of clauses and all that type of stuff to come get you. So obviously I will not be listening <laughs> at this exact moment. <laughs> um, but down the road, I guess if you're the type of person who doesn't drive it too far and you like to upgrade your car, like you upgrade your cell phone, I'd probably go down the road of leasing over buying a car and being stuck with it for a foreseeable future. So that just made so much sense because I really didn't understand a whole lot about leasing. Yeah. Um, and you're just like, it's an upgrade, basically, because I'm like when I looked at what leasing meant, I'm like, so basically I'm paying for a car mm. and we'll never get to own it. And then like after X amount of time, I get another one. I'm like, well, who who does that? But like we do with our mm. phones yeah. all the time. Yeah. So that makes perfect. I like how you use that metaphor. <laughs> Yeah. So like all the different, you know, advantages, disadvantages, leasing and that sort of thing. Um, Is there like a difference with insurance wise with the two of them? Because I know like insurance in general, I know um, depending with used car or newer car, like a newer car is probably going to be a little more expensive depending on the 
situation and scenarios. But when you're leasing and like with insurance, is it going to be like, I don't know, I guess I kind of think it would be a little cheaper because it's like it's not really yours. I feel like the dealer who gives you the car is probably going to handle most of that. But like you probably know more about it than I do. (laughs) I'm not completely sure about it. Um, I think it's actually more expensive to insure a leased car because you have to pay for a bit more coverage because you're never going to actually own the car and you plan on giving it back because I know there's a wear and tear type fee at the end of the lease. And if it has uh, X amount of ding scratches or like modifications that can't be removed easily, it's going to, it's a fee attached to that. So I want to say it's more to insure a leased car, but not completely sure on that. It, that could be the case. I can always look that yeah. up. But um, yeah, no, I was like in my head, I'm like, technically, I'm just like renting the car, basically. So I'm like, wouldn't the dealer have like more of the responsibility? I'm thinking like if something happened to the car, they would take care of it almost. Or is that like really on the buyer? I feel like the like if something goes wrong with it, it's on them. But just accident wise, like accident protection, that's what you're more paying for. Ah, uh, yeah. I think I read somewhere like, let's say you totaled your car and you still owed $18,000 on it and your insurance was only going to pay like 12 and, and you still owed that six. I feel like you have to get that gap coverage. So gap coverage is really what's like making up the difference between like insuring a new car versus like insuring a lease mm-hmm. car. But again, I'm no knowledge. I'm still driving my 96 Accords. So. Hey, you're doing better than I'm still riding. <laughs> Which there's nothing wrong with riding Wolf Line. It saved me money so far. So These parking passes are not cheap. I don't see how people can afford to park on like Central and here on Centennial. I just, Mm-mm. I can't. So that's actually a great tie in into like, I guess, the economics of buying a first car because um, for students, or for anyone, I guess, like the, I was really overwhelmed when I started looking into Mm. buying that. And it didn't help that I started very, very last minute Mm. because I was like, I need a car in the spring semester. So I'm going to start planning for it in December. Uh, (laughs) I need to, you know, research the car, uh, buy it. Cause I I had saved up. I knew I could like Mm. buy it, but then I didn't think about like, insurance i didn't think about like how much a parking pass would cost like Mm -hmm. what are the costs exactly that you would like suggest people who who are going into this first purchase like blind like how would you advise them to be a little like smart um for one i'd never buy a car between like january and august because that's when people are getting their tax returns so they're going to jack up the prices of cars because everyone's trying to buy a car when they get their tax money back i didn't know that so i'm actually gonna write that down (laughs) (laughs) i did not know that january to august so yeah try to buy a car in those uh late summer to fall months, those year and close out deals. That's when they're trying to get rid of everything and get those new year models on the lot. Best time to find a deal and be able to talk them down because they're trying to get rid of it. Um, Again, take your time. It, this is a really big commitment that you're making. You're making a commitment that's something that you're trying to keep for three, four, five years of your life. So Take the time and due diligence to research it. Uh, don't be afraid to ask for Carfax. Ask for the VIN number and look it up. All this information is on the internet. And that 50 bucks you spend on a Carfax is a lot cheaper than something down the road costing you $1,000. So don't be afraid to take a month or two to buying a car. I honestly wish I would have taken my time instead of seeing the first red car with some lights that I liked and some rims and I'm going to buy it. I really wish I took that due diligence and did my research on the car, car faxed it, actually looked under it because I probably would have bought a better car. I'm still happy it runs and I hope it keeps running all the way to my graduation. (laughs) (laughs) But but, yeah, just gotta get that belt fixed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just don't, don't. Don't be afraid to take your time and all that stuff. It's a commitment. Don't rush into it. Uh, And also, don't panic when something's going to go wrong, because when you're buying these used cars, it's inevitable. Something's going to 
uh, go wrong. Just keep a cool head, do your research on what it could possibly be. Uh, talk to people and ask them if they had your, had the same problem. Talk to old mechanics, like I said earlier, and see what you should be getting charged for this and see if they know somebody that knows someone's because that's what I, I've learned with these old mechanics. They always know a guy and they know a guy that knows a guy and stuff like that. So try to avoid those chain, you know, Firestones, Pet Boys, things like that, because they're just looking to upcharge you any way they can. Try to find like a little, you know, backyard mechanic that just does this because it's his hobby and he loves cars and knows the ins and outs of a 67 Corvette Stingray because that's his hobby instead of a technician who's just there to work a nine to five. Those, those are just things I'd recommend when going in to buy a used car. Absolutely. Basically what I've learned from this entire experience is just like, first of all, take your time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Don't just like rush in there to buy like the first car you see that was literally going to be. Me. <laughs> um, so I'm glad I had the chance to like talk with you and actually know like, no, Ricky, shiny things. No, like, <laughs> actually look at the car, look under it, look inside it, you know, mm-hmm. what are you, you know, making sure that it runs really well and just being smart, I guess, about like what decisions I make, especially when buying something that's going to like cost as much as cars do. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm not going to spend like $10,000 on something that I have to get rid of within like six months. Yeah. Because definitely. it's like stopped working. Mm-hmm, definitely. <laughs> well, I believe that is all for today. That was really all I had to ask. You answered all my questions. I hope he's answered all of yours out there. Um, thank you, Taylor, for, you know, taking the time out of the day and like speaking with me and um, being really patient about like <laughs> my ignorance and naivety when it comes to this. Topic. No, it's fine. I wish I had someone to like talk to me and sit me down before I went to rush out and buy my car. Honestly, it, it would have been such a big help and what it <laughs> dodged all these headaches I've been having with this car, but Hey, pay it for it. Yeah. Now you like help someone else. Like, and that's what I really love about like this kind of podcast because mm-hmm. you take your experiences. And um, I think there's a saying that a smart person learns from their own mistakes. A wise person learns from someone else. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you're the wise person. <laughs> in this equation. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to learn from your mistakes. <laughs> Thank you again. You're welcome. TRIO Student Support Services Program and Student Support Services STEM are federally funded college retention and completion programs. These programs focus on academic, personal, and career support for under-resourced undergraduate students. At TRIO SSS and SSS STEM, our goal is helping our students reach their goals. We are currently accepting new students to our program. Apply today. Go to www.ncsu.edu to learn more about Student Support Services at NC State.